0: Hello and welcome to The Cage Equation with your host Malcolm Mickelson and me, Drake Mickelson, where we will select, scrutinize, and solve this question about a Nicolas Cage movie. Did Cage fail the movie or did the movie fail Cage? Spoiler, the answer is always the latter. Proceeding with the undeniable that Nicolas Cage can only create perfection, we will place the movie's failings at the feet of another. To that end, we will start with the Metacritic score, assign culpability for each of the points Nick to the following three categories: Direction, script, and Cage stars. Who blended this movie's cageosity? We're about to find out. This week, we're going to be looking at The Wicker Man, which came out 2006. It grossed $38.8 million worldwide at a $40 million budget. It clocked in 102 minutes with a Metacritic score of 36, which will give us 64 points of blame to assign. Quick summary. After being scarred by not being able to save a young girl from a burning car in an unexplained accident during a traffic stop, Motorcycle cop Edward Mollis receives a letter from a former lover of his life who suddenly left him around 10 years ago asking for help to find her daughter who is around 10 years old. The allergy having Edward Mollis then goes to the bee-filled island to help his former girlfriend. He walks around yelling at various weird people on the island. Turns out that it's a witch coven, pagan slash cult of women until it's revealed, surprise that he is there to be the sacrifice that everyone has been talking about for the entire 102 minutes of the film. At the end, he's then sacrificed by burning him a wicker man that has never been referenced except in the movie title. Malcolm, how did you enjoy this 36 Met- Metacritic rated movie?
1: Um, th- this movie, I got to the end and I felt like nothing had happened. That was my entire feeling. And then I watched, I messed up, so I watched Midsummer right afterwards and it showed me what i think wicker man was trying to do which was make kind of an out there weird horror movie but yeah i don't i don't know I, what to say about wicker man it was it was seemed like a it
0: it literally did seem like about an hour of him walking through the woods running into various people that seemed to be at some kind of a renaissance festival or something i didn't understand most of it or at least what why we were watching most of it it was Probably the most boring movie we've watched out, out of all of them so far for me. It could have been condensed to about a half hour Twilight Zone episode, probably.
1: Yeah, And uh, I think we, we talked about it before we started recording, but the movie originally was supposed to be rated R. And you can tell, because every big moment, you can tell when there's supposed to be a big moment and had been cut out. Like right at the beginning, he opens a there's a burlap sack being carried around. And he opens it and gets scared, but they don't show you what's inside the sack. And then everyone laughs at him. Uh, but it's like that throughout the whole thing. Someone gets murdered and has their hands cut off, but they don't actually show you the hands or really talk about the guy getting murdered um, ever again. I also, I'm not quite sure why they, they murdered the pilot. We can get into that when we talk about the plot, but the pilot did his job.
0: That's well, all I I'm the, saying.
1: Well, the pilot also. Yeah. At because the, the pilot hadn't him brought him, he wasn't going to get there. It was the only way to get to the island. I maybe, thought I thought the pilot was in on it, to be honest, until he got murdered, um, because he's the only way Nicholas Cage could have gone to the island.
0: Maybe they're just trying to cover their tracks in case another uh, detective from California came looking for somebody on an island where they had absolutely no jurisdiction whatsoever.
1: Oh, but he, he acted like he did. He and then uh, this is another uh, we'll get into more later, but so he is very specifically a motorcycle cop and there is a line right at the beginning that says oh do you think maybe you'll start looking into becoming a detective but then the rest of the movie he acts like a detective he like talks and questions and talks about these crimes that he solved but he's not a detective they make a point of saying that right at the beginning
0: and he's not even even if he was a detective he'd be the worst detective ever I, i guess the question i i was writing down how do you how do you be a detective? How do you do detectiving? And the, randomly going around into barns and yelling at the name of a missing person, you randomly telling crowds at bars that his name, my name is Edward Malice and I'm from California and I am a police officer. My f- weird one was he's wearing a large caliber gun strapped to the front of his belt for a couple scenes too, which would have been useful at the end, but he had it at the beginning and then it disappeared. It seemed weird to be wearing that. Just it it comes,
1: it comes back at the end because they took the bullets out at the end.
0: Oh yeah, I remember. Okay.
1: Yeah, but he only pulls out, so he like covers it up with the bear suit. Maybe we should flip this episode because there's very little good to talk about. Um, (laughs) But uh, so, yeah. So at the end, he covers it up in a bear suit before immediately revealing who he is. Which would then he pulls out the gun, and you're right; it is a very large gun. And there's, I know, I know this for a fact because my buddy is a cop. My first question went to him. Wouldn't you notice that your gun was empty because it it holds 17 rounds? It holds a lot of ammunition, and the ammunition's heavy. And he's like, "Yeah, that's if you've shot a gun before, you know when it feels like it's empty." So he was just running around with them. I don't even know when they took the bullets out. When did they take the bullets out of the gun?
0: Um, I think it was uh, one of the times he was talking to the woman. Or maybe she snuck into his house. I don't know. I think that was probably another part that was probably cut out to keep it not being R-rated. Yeah, um, sorry. He also had a lockpick set. I think that's also
1: you have to have one of those if you're going to be a detective. But he only had he only had the lever of the lockpick set. He didn't actually have the part that does the lock picking. He has the part <laughs> that turns the lock as you do the lock picking. And then, of course, I think the biggest thing about being a detective
0: is if you are going to help find the daughter. a former lover from 10 years ago, and it's a 10-year-old daughter, you shouldn't be completely surprised when you find out that, in fact, it is your daughter. That may have been a, should have been some type of clue, but he was Edward Malice, and he was from California. All right, so we'll start with the positives. Um, Let's start off with uh, the nuclear cage and the cageosity, where we thought he, uh, he made this movie 100 before the others ripped it down to 36. What was your favorite moment? In um, the-
1: <laughs> There's two of them. Uh, throughout the entire movie, he's saying, I don't need permission. And usually following up by saying he's a cop, so he doesn't need permission. Cop from California, um, and he's in Washington State. But at one point, someone says, uh, do I have your permission to do that? They ask him that. He says, you have my permission to stay out of my fucking way. And I don't know why, but I laughed out loud when he said that line. And then the other one, I think everyone knows this if they've seen Wicker Man, is when he yells, bees, not the bees, please not the bees, shortly before being burned alive. Which was not actually even in the original release of the movie. On the,
0: on the version that we, I watched, I had to go back and, online and watch and find the, uh, that was about four minute torture scene that happened before he was burned alive. But the original yeah, that was weird. Cause I
1: distinctly remember that scene, but I only ever watched this movie on TNT before this. So I can't imagine TNT had that scene. Um, so maybe I saw it somewhere else, but I, I remember that. And we got to the end. I even told Abby, who's watching it with me, like there's something like something's wrong here because he's still screams. They still break his legs off the scene. I'm like, I remember them breaking his legs and it was like pretty graphic too. Um, it was like his best acting in the whole movie, and they cut it out and put it on YouTube. I, yeah, I and I, it's
0: it's funny because a lot of the stuff that they've cut out to get an R rating. I mean, this movie wasn't shot too long ago, and it seems like they cut out a bunch of stuff that it was in 2006. By 2012, most of the stuff they cut out to get a PG-13 rating was stuff that you can watch on TV now. Yeah, because there was the bees. There was the breaking of legs. I will agree that was probably. That one was hard to watch. When I went back and watched it on YouTube, I turned. I I kind of went past that one real quick because just listening to him yell, "Don't break my legs," a few times was enough for me. Yeah. And then there was, I think, there was a point when they opened the bag you were talking about, and there's another part where some guy opens his mouth to show him. I'm pretty sure that they cut the tongues out of all yeah. the guys that lived on it.
1: That's why doesn't I'm- seem to catch on to that at any no. point either he t- he tries to talk to multiple guys and he even hears one when he pushes him out of the way of the logs falling. he hears him like grumble like mumble at him instead of saying thank you but yeah and like the big reveal i think was at the end of the movie too like he runs into a cabin full of men he yeah. says why won't you help me and they all just stare at him
0: and then the, yeah and then the guy the one guy opens his mouth to show him but they cut cut that out really badly too I, I like that part. I think you also mentioned this one too, but when at the the beginning with the with the guy from uh, the airplane guy was with the with the line of you're so you're so you make up for it by being so warm and open. <laughs> um, it was i I think my my favorite part when he when he blew up though was in the schoolroom when none of the he, he busts into a one room schoolhouse where the teacher's teaching them. I forgot what weird thing she was teaching him. She,
1: she, teach it, she says, what do men represent? And they say, phallic symbol, phallic symbol. Yes. I have that quote written down.
0: <laughs> and the quote I liked about it was at the end, when he find, at the end of that scene where he finds the girl's name in the, in the class, in, in their, their list of all the, the school kids there, in the class, and he turns around to the little girls and yells, you little liars. And he turns to the teacher and says, you're the biggest liar of all. We'll probably have to go with bees, though.
1: Yeah. bees, I, 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 is, bees I mean, is something I feel like people who haven't even seen the movie know that Nicolas Cage at some point yelled bees.
0: And this is where he yelled bees. If that's all we got out of this movie was him yelling bees, I think it was probably well worth the $40 million he spent on it. It was an interesting uh, interesting performance. I'm not sure what he, was, what he was exactly going for for most of it, other than confusion and trying to get out of it, it seemed like maybe we're going to shoot this as quickly as possible. But I think B's will go with our, our top, yeah, top bees. level. All right. And do we have any other things to say about Nicolas
1: Cage's performance? No, I, I don't think I have anything else to say. Other. Yeah. Nothing he was doing was making any sense, but nothing in that movie made sense. He did I'm have to blame him for that.
0: He he, he came back in. I think this is one of the movies where he's probably got the most regrets about doing. Um, he's actually said he would like to revisit this cat,
1: revisit this movie. He's also said that it was intentionally comedic. And he said that. I don't think the directors ever said that. Um, but and and there's moments where you're like knowing that going into the movie, there's moments where you can see. Oh, maybe this was supposed to be like just an off the wall comedy because even when he finds that dead guy with no hands, for some reason, three people in rabbit masks stand up in the bushes and then just go back down. And yeah. like they spent time showing you that for some reason. Um, yeah.
0: Well, I know this is a remake from a 1973 movie, which I had thought about suggesting that we watch that movie too. But honestly, I never want to see, I've seen too many horror movies from the 70s. Um, yeah. They're about as interesting as this one. I think there would be some people that would talk about their Christopher importance. Christopher Lee was in that
1: one, wasn't he? Yeah. He played the, he played <sighs> the original. The Summer Isle, the, the cult leader was a male in that one. For some reason, this whole movie is based off B society, um, which is a really weird direction <laughs> to take things. I, oh,
0: even, the, even when he went to the uh, computer search, it was a weird one because he went to the computer search and looked through it, and then clicked on bees for some reason, as if he knew that that's
1: where they were Yeah, the from. only thing he could find from the isle was there, was that logo on the paper that she had sent him. Yep. Which, you know, for, for an island that's trying to get him specifically to come there, there's a lot of moments where I feel like they did their best to mess up their own plan. Whether it be not being very convincing to get there, um, only having one way onto the island, and then, Progressively throughout the movie, giving him many points where he could have said, "I need to get off this island," and just. He even said, "I can swim to the island," so he could have just swam off the edge of the island if he wanted to. But they're doing their best to scare him off the island before sacrificing him.
0: And it's there's like I mean it's the it's the typical thing is like I think it's what they're trying to they've solved in so many more recent uh, horror movies. Why is the person still there? I mean after the crazy he has a couple of dreams that are just absolutely bonkers. But then the radio has been wrecked in the, in the, uh, airplane. Um, that whole thing with the crazy school and the line of pregnant girls and the fact to keep seeing twins. But I think that I keep coming back to, Oh, and when he breaks into the, the cult leader's house, when I see babies in bottles, that's pretty much the time when I'm getting yeah. out of any place,
1: especially on an island, like, if it was a university, that's one thing. It's the doctor on an island. <laughs> and we got
0: just several babies in bottles. It wasn't a big deal.
1: Um, and then the same thing is he, and
0: I don't know at what, what point the time that he lets us know he's got a B allergy. I think it was halfway through the movie we discovered he has a B oh, allergy.
1: Well, they hint at it very subtly by having him, instead of having epinephrine pens, they're called B-nephrine. <laughs> and they have a picture of a bee <laughs> on them. Um, he has those in his bag. Um.
0: Right. Yeah, so now we're, I, I'm in the middle of a cult with babies in bottles, and the radio's been wrecked, and it is weaponized. The entire web, island's been weaponized against me. All right, so now it's time we're going to start trying to assign blame here. We have the three categories, script, director, and then our co-stars, or cage stars. Where do you want to start out with on this one?
1: Um let's start with the script. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we already gave some of the best moments from the script. Uh one one that we didn't talk about. So halfway through the film, for some reason they're trying to convince him that now the child's dead. Once again, another good reason for him to leave the island. Yeah. And he delivers this awesome line where he says, You mean to tell me she's dead? And the pause is that long. Just, I don't know. It was like a very intentional long pause in there, and then there's the phallic symbol, phallic symbol, which I don't know what he was going for with that. The the writer,
0: every um, the writer also seems like it honestly seems like somebody is uh is writing for like a high school stage play.
1: I mean, at the at the beginning, even like the someone another cop shows up to talk to him after the accident and says. Are you going to retire? And he goes. My dad would kill me. And he's like very clearly in his late forties because <laughs> he's playing. <laughs> and then his dad's never mentioned again throughout the entire
0: movie. There's many things that aren't mentioned again. Um, there's a whole thing about the self help tapes.
1: Oh yeah, like the Tony Robbins or whatever tapes. Yeah, what was it was. And somebody steals them from him. Never. It's never. That's never explained. Um, it not that's his partner at the beginning too, right? Like the guy even says she says where's your partner and he's like he's over there he's like you're looking for self-help tapes but then when he does the traffic stop there's no there's no partner
0: partner i mean but the partner
1: never shows up again i don't think i don't think he ever comes and checks on him or anything
0: (laughs) there's a and then the whole him riding this motorcycle but that gets into the director i they're just everything's dropped all the time i don't think it i don't and we should also mention once again this seems to be happening a lot with Nicolas cage movies like that we've been going over um, the director and the writer are the same person. Oh shoot, that
1: always makes it hard. I was actually about to say, I hope they're not the same person. This time. They they are, um, but the writing the
0: writing is just awful. It's not even like in some of the other movies, like even like in Jiu-Jitsu and some of those other movies that we we've, we've watched. The the person's obviously just stealing lines from somebody. This person he isn't even a good enough writer to steal lines. He's just making up things I think he heard, like, at the grocery store or something. I mean, it's like, oh, we need to talk about whether or not this person's a twin. And he'll say, excuse me, have I seen you before? No, you have not seen me before. And then they run back out. I mean, there's just... <laughs> it's, it's like they took the exposition and then just assigned exposition to different people's names. Well, so this...
1: Do they explain the twin thing? Because I do have written in my notes, lots of twins. Lots of twins. Um, they also I have that the, the twins, that I, first I thought they were from The Shining, because in Psych, they play the old creepy twins in the hotel. Um, I just made the assumption it was the same people from The Shining, but it was not.
0: No. Um, What's well, odd is if you actually see the, the girls from The Shining, they're supposed to be identical twins, but they're not nearly actually identical twins. They're just so creepy. It doesn't matter. Yeah, these women they they've whited out their eyes. I think I think these two women are probably made a made money just by being twins and showing up in different.
1: Yeah, they all their castings are together yeah. and it's just a bunch of like B-rate horror movies and things like that. I spent part of my life looking at that. I don't know why. Um, well, you- and it, the the whole tone of the movie shifts. Like all the writing shifts in the in the third act. So, I'd say from the moment I don't know. So I'd say from the moment he drop kicks that woman into the wall. yes. Forward, maybe even before that. So I, really when he finds the, the... He shows up and there's a really bad CGI plane underwater. Um, but they had a real plane. I don't know why they couldn't just film the wing and invert it or something. But from that moment it gets weirder and weirder and it doesn't tie in at all. So there's the women appearing in the bushes watching him. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes and drop kicks a woman into a wall. Doesn't he then, punch, does he punch somebody then, punch a woman He punches. Too? He punches the other woman who keeps saying, will you take me with you? Yeah. Um, who then turns, the whole movie seems like it's building up to her, maybe like telling the truth or something. And then they throw it all out the window and she attacks him. Um, he knocks out two people who wake up almost immediately because they're in the last scene. Um, and then he, and then the weird chase scene where the little girl's in on it. Yeah, And somehow he doesn't realize he's being led in, I guess, a big circle back to the group. Um, I think Nothing that, in the third act made any sense to me at all.
0: I would say one of the things that the director, if I was the director of that movie, which would have meant I wrote this movie too, which would have been about for me. As soon as I saw him in the bear suit, I would have said you're just going to leave that on for the rest of the show, the rest of the movie. Have him, I mean, at least there would have been some entertainment value in that. they I, I was actually interested in when he took off the top and he just had just the bottom of the bear suit on. I was like, this is going to be great. And then he promptly took it off. I was like, ah, oh, they can't even make, they can't even make the stupid parts interesting. They had to like strip off every piece of interesting because it, it's like, they think they're actually making a, a great movie, I think is the problem. I don't think of some of the other movies we watched the people have actually thought they were making great movies. They're trying to make fun movies this one i think they were actually thought they were going somewhere with it um i mean they are remaking a b movie from horror movie from 1973
1: so uh the other weird thing from the script um so he gets there and he talks to the woman and then he everyone knows he's there working with this woman and then she sends him a message or she tells him i don't know how it happened but she says we have to meet in secret we can't no one can know we're meeting So they go to their secret meeting place, which, so I want you guys to imagine the island. There's a dock up the hill. There's all the buildings. All they did was go to the dock and walk 20 feet into the woods the other direction, and you're still able to see everything behind them. There's no foliage or anything. And that was their secret meeting place. But again there's no reason for them to have a secret meeting place everyone knows the first thing he does is say i'm here to meet with this woman whose kid's been kidnapped
0: yeah oh so <laughs> the, fir- the first the first moan um so the, i the other thing is, is like there's just all these setups for stuff there's a setup for the entire time they do the flashbacks he keeps dreaming of the flashback about the girl in the car and the fire and everything else and then the girl changes and then changes into his daughter and does this and does that. And at no point does it actually have any payoff whatsoever. And I don't understand that they set
1: up the girl in the car. Did exactly. Because they say specifically, like there was no one in the car, which yeah. is impossible because the car got hit by a senpai with both of them in it. Um, but yeah, they never tell you what happened with that. Yeah. I just, it, the whole
0: thing is I, and then, I mean, if you think about the levels of setup, they had to do they had to get him to pull over, somehow convince him there's two people in a the car. Then somehow create a staged accident where a giant semi runs through the. I, I mean, I, they don't seem that smart, at all. I mean the, the head of it, uh, the head of the of the, the summer island. Isle, summer Isle, yes. Isle,
1: I think is her actual, name. which I think
0: is which is the name of the, isn't that also the name of the island there? on? Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, her family but, was the first ones to get to the island. The pioneers were notorious for making it to the coast and saying, what if we just swam 15 miles off coast to this island? It'd be great. <sighs> the ending to every good Oregon trail game is the part yeah. where you say, oh, let's just risk our lives to swim to this remote Island with no benefit at all.
0: Well, they're probably once they're trying to keep away from the, the people wanting to burn all the witches or whatever. I
1: Yeah. you bring up Salem in there. They never and hint that maybe they're a part of Salem, but they're not really witches. They, so I don't. Oh. They, there's never an explanation. There's never a point. I mean, I,
0: you almost hate that point in every movie where they stop everything so they can explain what's going on. And at this
1: movie, that would have been welcome at some point. Well, they that, do. They do explain everything that's going on, but they explain everything you physically have sat through watching. Yes. They give them when they reveal that it's all a plot, a ploy to get him here as a sacrifice, a willing sacrifice. They recount scene by scene everything that happened up to that point. <laughs> but the, the, nothing in the background is explained, just scene by scene how they got that. Um yeah.
0: There's also and and then they do the thing that I love in every movie is and you were talking about the bullets are being have been removed from the gun. Has anyone ever revealed that they have their bullet? Why is she carrying the bullets in her hand? And then they always do the thing, the slow little, just letting them drop out of the hand thing. And I, she actually says,
1: Are you looking for these? These. Two, 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 two.
0: So I guess they do steal a few things from. Uh,
1: yeah, so was, yeah. So they steal the, for some reason, they steal the self help tapes. They don't ever steal his epinephrine, though. Yeah. They have it at the end because he gets hit by bees. Um, but even that part's kind of weird where the whole point of this is to get a sacrifice to fix their crops. So what do they do? They take the thing he's allergic to and immediately before sacrificing him, just dump bees on his face, almost killing him, like bringing him as close to death as humanly possible. Why risk it up to that point? I don't, nothing they do make sense if, from the perspective of he's supposed to be a willing sacrifice and the loosest terms possible because the only thing he was willing to do was try to find his daughter. So I,
0: yeah, there's just no set that there's no explanation at the end of why, why this has happened. So I would say for the script, um, there's no redeeming value whatsoever in any of it. None. None. All right. From the direction,
1: what are we looking at? So my issue with the director outside of all the writing is <laughs> it's just really sloppily shot. So there's a moment where he falls through the floor. He's very obviously just on his knees, holding himself like this, and yep. like you can even see the platform he's on for a moment. And I don't understand how the editor—no one looked at that and said, "Hey, can we just reshoot this or cut cut this scene completely?" Or maybe, um,
0: or maybe just zoom in slightly on it so you can't see the feet. I mean, there's a couple. There, I'm, I'm guessing somewhere. I know this is several years ago, but they probably had the uh, ability to an editor to zoom in slightly on the film oh you would hope so and also um, he's what is he hanging 12 feet above the ground they they treat it like he, he treats it like he's hanging off the edge of a mountain if he would have yeah. let go he would have dropped six feet landed on his feet
1: and it would have been a wait war. i maybe i'm forgetting what part that isn't that when he's above the water too
0: well the one i thought was remembering was the one where he's in the barn where he goes into the barn that's right yeah the barn is the one i'm talking about is it's his first his first act of detection which i was saying this is how you detect is you hear a sound outside on a large island and so what you do is you go into a barn and you immediately start yelling the name of the missing person because i I, maybe that's how he solved all this big cases just by they've oh here i am there you go solved another
1: missing case well in that point kind of gives the vibe that like oh maybe this is something like supernatural yes because there's a little girl he's chasing who just disappeared like oh maybe this is all just like something supernatural and like we already know they're a cult but then it again turns right back around to like oh no they somehow got this little girl to outrun a full size man um and disappear and then he almost dies again almost dies in the barn um yeah. wouldn't have a sacrifice anymore i
0: would guess that there was, I mean, there's some competence in the, in the shooting. There were some good shots of, with the film, but, I, you know, if you get a good director of cinematography, probably takes care of that. They went out and they had the same shot of the island a couple times with the sun sitting behind it. Um, but it was, it was basically, it was like a, a made-for-TV movie.
1: Yeah, the only other thing I have about the director, and I only recognize this now because of Psych, because his dad teaches him this lesson at the beginning of having actors stare into lights. But every every single scene, if you look at their face, their eyes are completely illuminated by bright light. And it's in <laughs> every single scene. And it really bothered me. But it might have just been that I couldn't focus on the movie any longer. Um, but yeah, like they're filming outside and they're still shining lights on them. I. Yeah, I've,
0: I've, a lot of the stuff I noticed too, I, I, I would say the single, I wrote this note down several times of, am I going to have to watch this movie for another, I started off with two hours and then slowly counted down as I went, but yeah, it, the whole thing, it doesn't make any sense, he's running around, he's running through the forest, it looks like they had him run past the same place in the forest 12 times, In some of these movies, like the last movie we, we talked about, Nicolas Cage was on set for three for three days, this one they were filming like he was going to be on set for three days, but there were so many of them where there just all the shots were just boring. That just the director never realized what he was, what he was dealing with, which is probably because he also wrote it. Um, I think this is kind of like the same thing when you have it uh, in sports when you have a GM who's also the head coach. It just that he had no objectivity. For, I think a good director would have looked at the script and said, "Okay, let's have some fun," yeah. and yeah
1: especially especially if you know it's getting from what i read it sounds like they were very aware that it being rated r was not likely to happen but they shot the whole film like it was going to happen and then it seems like he was just being pissy with his editing of just oh i can't have this scene okay i'm just going to cut it out i'm not going to bridge the gap at all i'm just going to cut the scene halfway through so you wonder either either
0: the, the movie that the studio got a hold of it and just threw it to the editor and said, just get rid of this stuff. Or if he's one of those directors that thought, I'll just, I'll send them a really bad cut of the movie. And then they'll change their mind for me. I'll, I'll purposely give them a bad cut. And the movie studio looked at it and said, we've spent too much money already. Just
1: put it out. Uh, there's one thing. So I was clicking to see if I could, uh, I'm just on some of the trivia to see if I can figure that out, but they pointed this out and it is true. He keeps asking them at the end of the movie, probably for 15 minutes, how can I be a sacrifice if I'm not agreeing to be a sacrifice? And even that's kind of, they're like, well, you agreed to come to the island. That's all the justification there was. I just, I don't know how someone read that script and said, this explains it. I agreed to come to the island. That's all willing sacrifice takes. You agreed to come to the state of Washington.
0: Well, even the lady, when she said, she said, a willing, the way she says, she might as well have put her hands up and done air quotes around willing when she told him he was a willing sacrifice. Um, I would also say that the original Wicker Man director slash writer insisted that his name was not used
1: anywhere in the film. Yes. So, him and Christopher Lee also, they wanted to do a reference to Christopher Lee, and he, he turned that down really quick. And I,
0: I mean, this isn't like it was like the uh, Orson Welles' Citizen Kane was like, oh, we're going to have to order. No, I mean, no one would have known the guy's name in the first place. You know, Joe Schmo refused to have his name put on. They probably even offered him money. And I, so that would let you know where we're going with that one. All right. And now we're going to go to the... Uh, cage stars here we go we had several of them i think almost every woman in here is probably halfway well known um i i know several of them there's a was it sister willow i believe she was which one was she she was the the ex-fiancee yeah now, she's been in a couple b, b movies which um so she wasn't a big one sister honey which one was she
1: sister honey is the one who keeps saying will you take me with you yeah Then. Um, Dr. Moss is pretty well known from um, oh the the anthology TV American War Story.
0: Yes, she was big. Frances Conroy. She's she's been in a lot of horror movies lately too. Since that, um, Sister Rose, Sister Thorne is Molly Parker. Um, she's been in some big movies and also in one of my favorite TV shows was uh, Deadwood. She was in that. Um, and then Diane Delano which I remember her from way back in the in a show called Northern Exposure. She's probably, oh, if, if we're going to go through, she was the the barkeep, I believe. Yeah. Um, out of all of them, I'll just start off by saying my, my least favorite was her. I don't, she was just snarky through every line, but I have a feeling that all of them were just wondering what the heck they were doing there. They're dressed in period costumes and there really wasn't any real explanation i think in the script of what was going on
1: yeah and she's like she speaks like she's being combative but gives him all the information he wants yeah. <laughs> like if you listen to the words she's saying she sounds very helpful but the entire time just like yelling at him um
0: yeah. they could i yeah they could have played a lot of different ways and then on the on the top of all this is ellen bernstein bernstein sorry um she plays sister summer isle um I would like to point out a few things about her before we start talking about. First of all, I think she does as good of a job as you possibly could with with what she's given. And she should, because she's one of the Triple Crown winners in acting. She has won an Academy Award for acting. She has won a Tony Award for acting. And she's got two primetime Emmy Awards. Um, She's been been in some of the greatest movies ever made. The Last Picture Show. Um, The Exorcist. She's been in one of the top horror movies of all time. And then, I mean, I won't even go into the, into the uh, stuff with the Tonys because I don't know enough about but she got Best Actress in a Play in 1975. She's done some really big uh, work on TV. I can't imagine her sitting in this, even looking across at Nicolas Cage, because with her, I, I'm sure she would think Nicolas Cage is a fine actor and everything, but I don't know how much money she got paid, but it must have been a lot, and she must have had a free vacation off of this too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, Nicolas Cage, I think it's just about as big as he had gotten. Like, it's after, after National Treasure and right before Ghost Rider came out. Oh, no, it's before National Treasure. No, Book of Secrets. So that was second National Treasure. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but yeah, like, they're, they're two really big name actors. And it confuses me how neither one got this writer to, to do something better. I feel like they could have ad-libbed with no knowledge of how the script's supposed to progress. They could have ad-libbed through the story better than they did here.
0: Yeah. And it, I, I, I don't know. I just felt bad for a lot of the actors the whole time they were doing this. I felt bad for her and for Nicolas Cage too. I mean, even when they put them together, they just made it, made it the most boring possible way they could do it. Nothing in this movie was interesting at any point. The end when they're burning a man alive was one First of all, I truncated it down into like a one minute scene. That was possibly one of the most boring. I don't know if they, if we rank these or not, but one of the most boring human sacrifices ever committed to movie. I, they kind of carry him up. They set it on fire and the fire starts and is over within 15 seconds. Yeah. They cut away from it quick. The head falls off and we're done. Cut the credits, let the music swell. Which, by the way, is another part that I just didn't understand. The music in this movie was. I think sometimes, once again, they, they're trying to make an homage to something that's not even. And so they pick somebody and they have them do the music that's supposed to be kind of creepy and like old fashioned. And it's
1: just bad. The, the bad. sound was off with it, too. Like, I, I didn't notice there's music for a lot of the movie, but um, like the dialogue the background noise and the music were all leveled differently where the dialogue would be over the top loud. And then you couldn't almost hear anything else.
0: I may have to upgrade my sound equipment because you mentioned sound and I don't, I think I've just flattened everything on my TV because it's such a bad TV. So I've just tried to make it everything equal.
1: The all music right, we're, was, we're, we're lucky. We have a T-Mobile soundbar here. There, there you go. People, Yeah. T-Mobile. That's the way to go. Or T-Mobile uh, <laughs> LG. I don't know what it is. We bought a T-Mobile though. Yeah.
0: So, I I don't know the music. I mean, if you're missing the music, all you're missing is string swells. And then them I just over and over again. The composer, I guess, won. Actually, they won an, an Oscar for uh, the Twin Peaks theme. Huh. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. This is this one's hard to get into too much because it is just so so boring the Nicolas Cage never comes off the tracks he should have he could have he could have probably this was, the, this was the
1: perfect movie for him to be doing that in. like yeah. at least then there would be something to watch him being over the top um no he's very restrained and I have to think he was told to be that restrained
0: yeah because he's supposed to be going crazy this is a movie where he should have been by the end he should have just been
1: completely unhinged but then his, his crazy moments are so low-key, like the craziest he gets is kicking in doors looking for the little girl. But it took him, I think, three days of being locked in a cellar full of water to, to get to that point and finding a dead body. And then he decides, I'm going to kick open every door on the island.
0: And they really should have probably got... I, I don't think kicking, uh, kicking doors in is probably his, his finest work there. No. I don't want to speak bad of Nicolas Cage, but I sometimes watch his physical stunts and his running and his kicking in doors. And they did like a little montage at the end when he searched every house in the village. All 10 of them. All 10 of them.
1: The the island also is both incredibly large and very confined. Like the houses all look like they're like 10 feet away from each other, but then he sprints for like five minutes straight into the woods with the little girl. Back and forth, back and forth. Okay, so... All right, last part of the script. Uh, Okay. The whole time he's trying to get phone service, and he finally gets it. I don't know why they even bothered putting this in the movie. He gets it for like five seconds. (laughs) And you're like, okay, maybe the movie's going to end and it'll show uh, police coming towards the island or something. No. uh, he He got reception for five seconds. No one's concerned he's disappeared, even though he's been panically calling them the whole time. He okay. Doesn't report he doesn't report the kidnapping to the Washington state police either. Yeah. The whole justification is well, it's a private island. It's a private island. Yeah, but so he, he knew everyone. People just he is from ca- private island. he's from California though. And
0: he's a police officer from California. Okay, so do you have anything to say about any? I mean, I
1: I don't think any of the actors I, I don't really a bad blame job. any of the actors for this. Like I think they all did about as good as they could with what they had. We should throw
0: in the, uh, the few, I won't call them cameos, but these are, they came before they, uh, they hit big. Um, at the end, there's a little tag-on scene where they go out and they get a hold of two more police officers to run the same scam on them. Uh, those police officers are played by Jason uh, James Franco and Jason Ritter. Yeah,
1: that was <laughs> a weird scene which, on that too.
0: Yeah, and then at the beginning, I missed this. I had to go back up like it again. Um, Aaron Eckhart is actually at the very beginning as a, as a guy just sitting at the counter. (laughs) So I, it's just weird to see, uh, see some people like you have three, like pretty big stars show up in this movie out of nowhere. And I don't know, was it, I think the making of the wicker man would probably be a much more interesting movie than the wicker because I have a feeling there were a few behind-the-scenes things going on to get guys like that in there, just to basically do, I'm guessing, screen tests. Um, James Franco actually does a, does a pretty good James Franco imitation in there with his little smile and everything. Um, yeah, so I don't have anything bad to say about any of the actors other than that one, I think, I, and Diane, Diane Delane, but I think also she was probably just going a different way, trying to make, make
1: something happen
0: and nobody went along with her. They were probably all just like,
1: yeah. She, she, honestly, she seemed like the only one who fit in the movie. that In my head, the movie was supposed to be. Yeah, the weird, like her, her and the tooth and the twins. Yeah. Her and the twins worked. Like, so. that's what you would expect if you got told, oh, this is a movie about an island where all, it's only run by women and all the men have their tongues cut out. Yeah. You would expect them to act like that. Yeah, to yeah, a yeah. male who showed up on the island.
0: Yes. And the rest of them, I mean, the other one did that the, the teacher did a little bit. And then it was also funny because she was a she was a twin for one scene. And then that was it. Was she even supposed to be a twin? They, he saw her again a few feet down. So
1: she was a twin, but so she's a twin in that moment. And then at the end of the movie, only one of the twins is there. Yes. I think because they realized, oh, it's going to cost us money to somehow CGI in a second, a second <laughs> one of her.
0: Yeah. Okay. So. We're not going to blame the actors too much. I think there was a couple missteps on there, but, and with her, I, like I said, she's just in a different movie, maybe a better movie, but she's just a, she just didn't match up with everybody else. I think she's kind of like the, uh, the one kid when you're playing a pickup basketball game or something and the one person's decided it's the finals. Yeah. And everyone else is like, just, just we're, cool. We're,
1: we're on an Island taking a vacation, trying to get paid.
0: Yeah. Just yeah. chill Let's out. Just chill out.
1: Okay, so how are we going to score this one? We have 64 points? Uh, I'd say maybe 10 to the Cage Stars. Okay. And then the rest can go to the Director-Writer combo. Well, I
0: I broke it down First of all, I only gave two to the, the the Cage Stars. I couldn't even... I mean, I felt so bad for him.
1: Maybe... I think we always disagree on this, but to me, I give them more because... To me, I feel like someone there should have been able to talk some sense into this guy. Like, <laughs> it's hard for me to believe that this many, like, quality actors just said, Oh, yeah, it's a good enough script.
0: You think they had, like, the conversation at the beginning and on the first day of shooting, like, Ellen Bursting came up and goes, Hey, maybe if my character does blah, blah, blah. And the guy goes, No, I think it's really good when he's, when, yeah. And she just went, Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I think everyone just may have just said, Yeah, I'm done and walked away. Um, I gave the script fifty-five. I gave the d- director seven. I know it's the same person, but I think even that boring of a director, if you with good, if you have good actors and a good script, and you just film the good actors doing the good script, I think that should be enough. That, it would be a better, a better, much better. Yeah,
1: I, if I had to split them up, I'd say the script was definitely the majority. Like I maybe fifty points. My issue with the director and again i don't know if it was the studio or him the way they cut those scenes and again like it's the way i'm reading it is they were aware that it will probably only be allowed to be a pg-13 yeah. and instead he shot a movie i guess the other scenes shot a movie to a point where it was almost not rated r is rated like x or whatever the the rating that no no commercial movie ever actually gets because they cut stuff out
0: oh the lc um, nc-17 yeah yeah
1: Yeah, but like it seems like he he shot a movie that was nc-17 knowing oh there's a really good chance i'm gonna have to cut all this out but didn't prepare himself for it at all did not give them any extra footage to work with in that moment they just had to cut whole entire sequences and then yeah i
0: yeah the director might be yeah you might be right
1: and i have to think it's the director because i uh so when i was reading about the background of the movie nicholas cage says one he's proud of his work and two it was intentionally comedy yes the director never once comes out and says like ah oh, the studio ruined everything like as far as i could see maybe he just didn't want to talk about it um but there's no like big article about like oh it's not there's no snyder cut out there <laughs> this guy just kind of threw a temper tantrum it seems like and said oh, this is what you get then
0: yeah. Or he just didn't realize that maybe he did the cut and said, there, I fixed it. Yeah. I mean, he may actually think that he did a good cut there. Um, yeah, either way, that's bad. Um, but if I'm going to do that, then I'm going to take the way the two points I gave to the cage star. So I'll give them to the director.
1: I give them to the to director instead. <laughs> I think, I think I'd go, Oh, I think I'd go 30 points to the script, 24 points to the director. 10 points to the Cage stars. I really feel like one of them had to be been big enough actor or actress to do something about this. Okay. Or call their agent. I've, look, I've seen Tropic Thunder. I know how much power an agent can have. All right, Someone should have gone to the producers and fixed this. So they should have really sent them all out into the woods and started a civilization and said, we're not coming back for three months. If Nicolas would, Cage is still alive at the end, the movie, I, no one gets paid. I would have watched that. I would still watch that right now. Okay, so you're gonna go.
0: I'm a <sighs> look, I wrote it down 55, 7, and 2. And I'm gonna keep with that, but I see your point. But I mean at the at the top of it's is the director and the, the director and scriptwriter is the same guy. Yeah, and he's given them nothing. So I think that pretty much answers the question on who's whose fault it is, is the director's. I don't even think we ever said his name.
1: Oh, here it his is. Name.
0: Neil Labute. He's the director and writer.
1: Oh, yes, Neil Labute.
0: Neil Labute, you Blunted, Nicolas Cage. All right. Well, looks like uh, that comes to the end of that. We have a couple more coming up. Um, we're going to do the new Nicolas Cage movie. Um, the Unbearable. What's it called? Unbearable weight of massive talent. The unbearable weight of massive talent. The new Nicholas Cage Which is next. exciting. I
1: let's sneak peek real fast. I want to see if the Metacritic is still perfect on that one. Oh, it's down to a 67. this this point. It's it's really good. <laughs> well, yeah, Malcolm's already
0: seen it. I'm gonna go see it tonight. And we'll come back next week with that. And then after that, for uh the 10th, the 10th episode, we're gonna dive right into. I believe it's your favorite Nicolas Cage movie of all time. Yes, National Treasure.
1: National Treasure? Did you know Benjamin Franklin vended the bifocals? I did because of National Treasure. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a good one. That'll
0: be a fun one because I don't know—I don't even know what the Metacritic was on that, but it can't be that, that low. And I, I think we actually, this is one of those ones where I think everyone actually knows some of the, some 83. Of the movies. Are, 83, so it's going to be equivalent on that one a lot. All right, so we will see you next week. Um, Thank you once again for listening. This has been The Cage Equation with Malcolm and Drake Mickelson. And we will be back with the unbearable weight of massive talent. talent. And I will learn the title, massive talent. I will learn the title of it by then too. Thank you very much and have a great day.